0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Friends, Welcome to our daily time of prayer and uh, scripture reading. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Great to have you with us. Feel free to leave your comments in the, uh, in the appropriate places and give us your prayer requests if you wish. And we will all pray for one another during this time. Let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and prepare to hear his word, which is living and active, which challenges us and also builds us up and inspires us on the path of salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we ask today that we be captivated by your kingdom which has broken into our world, broken into our lives, and which demands our full, immediate response unhesitating response. Teach us, Lord, how to give such a response. Teach us unhesitating forgiveness of others for when we stand to pray, we are to forgive. Teach us, Lord, unhesitating trust in your mercy, unhesitating and total repentance of all sin. And we renew that repentance today and unhesitating generosity in the service of life and truth and all that your kingdom stands for. We pray. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Gospel reading today is from the Gospel of St. Luke. As Jesus and his disciples were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. Jesus answered him, No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, we should be struck by the immediacy with which people followed Jesus. Remember the sons of Zebedee, they're with their father preparing their nets. You could think of, of some uh, people you may know, you know, uh, r- rough and tumble uh, guys in the construction industry or people that you might be able to think of right away who, you know, Jesus comes along and says, hey, come and follow me. And they just dropped their tools right there. The fishermen dropped their net and come and follow this man who up until, up until then was a stranger. Jesus had that effect on these apostles and on others that he called to, to follow him. The Christian way is about following Jesus. We each have our own vocation. We each have our own role in that community of faith, in that church. But the immediacy is a result of the realization that this Jesus is everything we're looking for, everything we're working for. I mean, if you're there because you're a fisherman preparing the nets, you are working for a purpose, right? It's part of the fulfillment of a human being in this life, to work, To make a living, to provide for oneself and one's family, to serve in the community in some way, to provide for the needs of others, to have a business that flourishes. All of these are elements of our fulfillment and our happiness. The immediacy by which somebody would leave that flows from recognizing by, by God's grace, here in this man is all the fulfillment that you can ever get from any kind of work, from any kind of prosperity in an earthly or economic sense. He's everything. He's your happiness. He's the destiny for which you were made in the first place. Jesus challenged people, as you see in this passage, to exercise that immediacy. And he warned people about the cost. Yeah, I'll, you'll follow me wherever, you, wherever I go. Yeah, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. It's going to be a rough, uh, rough experience. He warned people of the cost, the cost of discipleship, right? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, don't, don't buy into any kind of cheap grace. Grace without the cross. Easter Sunday, without Good Friday, there is no such thing. Forgiveness without confession. Boxes have dens, birds of the sky have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to leave his head. You will be persecuted. You will be hated. You will be rejected. You will be crucified. You will be ostracized. Blessed are you. Leap for joy when they insult you. He warned about the cost. Remember when he said, if you're going to go out with an army, make sure you're able to overcome the enemy. If you're going to build a tower, make sure you have what you need. Plan it in advance. Otherwise, people are going to mock you that warns us again when people say, oh, I'm not going to prepare for this task I have to do because the Holy Spirit will, will guide me. Yeah, the Holy Spirit will guide you. And part of the guidance that He's giving you is prepare ahead of time. Do your homework, do your research, make a plan. Make sure you have the resources to do what you're setting out to do. The immediacy with which we have to repent of sin. Don't tarry, don't delay because that's where temptation grows. That's how it grows. We delay. As soon as we see an occasion of sin that we have stepped into, as soon as we see an occasion of sin we're about to step into, as soon as we see the storm clouds of temptation forming on the horizon, then, and that is the moment for victory. Then we must flee. The coward wins. You flee. You reject it right away. Before it starts snowballing and that storm cloud starts mushrooming and you can't escape it so easily. The immediacy. And then we have the totality. Look what Jesus is like. It's almost like he comes across here as harsh. But what he's saying is there's a hierarchy of relationships. The value of any love in this life, friendship, family, any relationship, is because it reflects that primary relationship with God. God is, Jesus is all in all. And that's why there's the totality of giving yourself over to him. The totality. None of those, he says, are fit for the kingdom of God who keep looking back to what was left behind. Key, key lesson in the spiritual life. Paul says it, doesn't he? I give no thought to what lies behind, but only to what is ahead. Now, what might lie behind are both comforts and also sins. Let's talk about the sins first. You want to make progress in the spiritual life. You remember your past sins only in as much as it makes you distrust yourself and trust the Lord and the guidance of trusted spiritual guides. We don't let the sins of the past drag us down. I have cast your sins into the depths of the sea, the Word of God says. And one preacher said, then he puts up a sign that says no fishing. We don't go fishing for the sins he cast into the depths of the sea. That doesn't mean we'll forget them entirely, but if we remember them, let them remind us that we can't trust in our own strength. Let them remind us that we can trust in God's mercy, which endures forever. Don't let those things, don't keep looking behind. And don't keep looking behind to the comforts of the life that you have grown out of, the life of sin, the life where you had, you had other comfort zones that were much smaller in the past than, than what you have now. Maybe if you're involved in the pro-life movement, you know, and you pray in front of abortion facilities, you think back to the days when you never thought you could do that or you are giving public talks and you never thought you could do that or whatever it is that you're doing that in the past you might have found terrifying at the prospect of even trying it and now it's second nature, your, your comfort zone has expanded. Don't look back. You remember in the desert when some of the people were grumbling against God and Moses because the journey was difficult? They even got to the point where they said, let us choose leaders and go back to Egypt. At least we had food there. We are disgusted with this wretched food in the desert. There will be the temptation to go back to when things We're easier, seems to be easier. But remember, Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It is the life of sin. It is the life that focuses on just satisfying ourselves. that is the more burdensome life. You want a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. Follow the commands of Jesus and let His Spirit lift you up to do those. You know, some people... uh, ask me, just to make a personal reference here, to finish this thought about the the immediacy, the decisiveness, the totality with which we need to give ourselves to the Lord. Uh, there is a gift of celibacy. I embraced it long before I became a, a priest. You know, where you give your heart, it's not a denial of your humanity or a denial of love or a denial of fruitfulness, you know, to have Children is more than one way to have a child. That's why priests are called father. You give your heart to all humanity. You give your heart to the whole church. And I remember in my discernment of whether or not I wanted to go into the, into the seminary, seeing one day I was at, the, at, at a boardwalk close to where I grew up in uh, Port New York. I was over at Rye Playland and I saw on the boardwalk a couple walking down the boardwalk with the stroller with their baby inside. And and it struck me then. That man, that woman, their vocation is to love one another and to love that child. That's their center of gravity. That's where their heart has to be. In God, of course, and first and foremost in Him and then in service of one another. A family of three at that moment that's their that's their center of gravity that's the center of gravity for their heart and I looked at that and I said yes that is a good and holy vocation but it's not mine I felt the call to love and serve beyond a specific physical family all I can say is that it was a a very strong sense and desire to have a heart serving all the world When I did go into the seminary, I had on my wall a map of the world and a quote underneath it from John Wesley, all the world is my parish. And that has so come to be true in this international ministry that I lead, Priests for Life, Rachel's Vineyard, Silent No More. It's an international effort. Brothers and sisters, since the Vatican took action against me last year and said, well, you can't function as a priest anymore, some people have asked me, not many, But a few have asked me, and I want to respond to it just to give you a sense of how these readings apply in my life. I said, oh, does that mean you can get married now? You can find somebody and have a family of your own? And again, I I consider that a a, a holy vocation. It's one of the sacraments, right? Marriage. But I kind of laugh at that suggestion because it shows (laughs) a complete misunderstanding of what my life has been up to now, and a misunderstanding of what the conflicts have been with some in the hierarchy of the church who have tried to get me to step away from pro-life work. No, I said to that, no, and I will say no again and again and again. I've committed myself completely to give every ounce of energy, every moment of time, every commitment of ministry to defending the unborn and bringing an end to abortion. And a lot of the conflict that has ensued in these last 21 years of battling against those in the church that don't believe in this pro-life work has been insisting on my part that I just want to give. I just want to give every every hour. I rejected compromises that were offered to me to say, well, spend part of your time doing other work than pro-life and then part of your time doing the pro-life work. No. This is an emergency. This is a holocaust. This is a moment in human history that demands a full and complete response. And I want to be the sign of that. So any kind of arrangement where I would be stepping aside, even for a little bit of time, is in my own mind and heart contrary to what I am called to do, contrary to what I will do. And the bottom line is that totality of giving would similarly be completely contradicted if I were to then spend the time and the attention and the center of gravity of the heart that it requires to form a a relationship, to marry and to have a family. You you see what I'm saying? I mean, it it would be exactly doing exactly what I have been saying I can't do. Ever since that moment on the boardwalk where I realized, yeah, my call is to celibacy. It's not a denial of love. It's an expansion of the object of your love. It's really very simple. I want to give every ounce of time and energy to serving the unborn, not to raising my own family. I want to have a relationship with the unborn children, not with a wife not with physical children of my own. So those that have asked me that, well, I've tried to gently explain to them, no, you're not understanding the whole framework of this whole situation. Some are called to marriage. Some are called to celibacy. Some are called to full-time pro-life work. Some are called to just give as much time as they can to this work. But let's rejoice in that in the midst of all of these vocations... There is an immediacy and there is a totality to which we are all obliged. And that is the following of Jesus and not looking back, not looking back to a life of sin, not looking back to comforts in the past that we have grown beyond. Let's ask the Lord to keep us faithful to that generosity to that totality that we be decisive every time we have to turn again away from the temptations that will inevitably arise and let's continue to enjoy the the joy that the lord gives us on this path of salvation let's pray father we do thank you for leading us to your son who in turn leads us to you we thank you lord for the way of the commandments for the way of the gospel for the virtues and the gifts of the holy spirit confirm us on this path and may our decisiveness and the totality of our willingness to follow christ be assigned to the rest of the world to give themselves more generously and for those of us lord call to full-time work for the unborn please awaken the hearts and minds of our fellow citizens that we are living in the midst of a holocaust that nothing can justify the taking of even a single human life, and that indeed we must awaken the conscience of this nation to rise up and defend these children. Lord, if we cannot defend the right to life as a society, every other right is being built on quicksand. Wake us up, Lord, and bring us to a culture of life. We pray now as Jesus taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Friends, thank you. You are in my prayers. And please let others know about these broadcasts so that they can join us for this time of prayer and delving into God's Word. Let them know. You can help expand our audience. And let us know of your generosity at ProLifeGift.org. We can use your help every day. We can use your help. If you've never donated to us before, go to ProLifeGift.org or call our office for alternate ways of giving, 321-500-1000. Very easy phone number, 321-500-1000. We are eager to be of service to you, and we are grateful for your support of us. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast.